Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Kim Shapira. Kim is a celebrity dietitian, nutritional therapist, and author with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology from Tulane University and a master's degree in human metabolism and clinical nutrition from Boston University. She has spent over 25 years helping people lose weight and keep it off with a giant emphasis on keeping it off, both in her private Los Angeles practice, in hospitals, sports clinics, addiction centers, and universities. In the episode, Kim shares critical mindset shifts that are necessary for weight loss and especially maintenance, practical strategies for cutting back on emotional eating, six simple rules for transforming your relationship with food, and more. If you're liking this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd write a review and share it with a friend. Enjoy the episode. Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so happy to be here and have this conversation with you. Me too. Two Californians in very different, very different environments, (laughs) Northern versus Southern. But But like-minded. Like-minded. And yes, I think I fit in way more in Southern than I do in Northern, as I was telling you off air. We're not, my husband and I are not hikers. We're not campers. We're not kayakers, all of which you're supposed to be when you live in Northern California. So we're the weirdos up here and (laughs) you're in Southern. And I, I mean, it's just, it's very funny for anybody listening. I'm sure they've heard, but it's, we could be in two different States. It's Completely I think different. that's the joke, right? Is that it we is, are yeah. so different. Yeah. It's almost like Northern is more like Oregon anyway. Yes, very much. Very much like Oregon. Yeah. Um, well, excited to have you on. And I would love if you could start off by telling us a bit about your background and specifically what led you to become a dietitian. Oh my goodness. Okay. How much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> the whole episode, <laughs> one question. <laughs> oh boy. Um, Cause I'm 50. So there's like a lot there. Right. But um how did, what was the first part of the question? So how did how, I, get here? I guess just your background. Yeah. Take okay, my it background. as you wish. You're a dietitian, you know, kind of yeah. what led you to that, what to your path, I guess. Okay. Okay. Got it. So um, my background, my degrees, I would say are in um, the first one is from Tulane University in New Orleans, which I have a degree in exercise science and kinesiology and a minor in psychology. So obviously very interested in the human body and why we do the things we do. And then I went to graduate school at Boston University and got a degree in human metabolism and clinical nutrition. And of course, the gardeners are here. So sorry about oh, the that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
I merged the two and knew that I was going to, when I became a dietitian, start a private practice immediately. And um, because I wanted to have follow through and I wanted to have like a long relationship with my clients. So luckily I've gotten that. Um, And I've been in practice 27 years and I, that kind of is my background. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit how I got to become a dietitian. Great. So I got sick when I was 12 and I spent a good year and a half in and out of the hospital. It was 1986 and I just wanted to be healthy. One day when I was driving to see my specialist at UCLA, my mom said to me very sweetly, and keep in mind, I was 12, I was quiet, I was shy. And my mom said to me on this particular day, don't cry, Kim, when we're done with this appointment, we'll go shopping. And what had happened is I planted a seed right then due to the trauma that I was experiencing, that shopping was a great way to escape whatever discomfort I was in. Hmm. So this basically would become the thread that I would use throughout my entire career, believe it or not. And then when I was in high school and doing great, um, a, a mentor friend of mine who was a podiatrist said to me, food can make you sick or make you healthy. And I believed him Hmm. and I wanted to be healthy and I wanted the rest of the world to be healthy because why not? If we could be and it was that easy, then why are we not? And so I pursued that. And when I immediately got out of grad school and decided to open a practice, my first client ended up being a therapist and she followed my diet perfectly well and she managed to lose 30 pounds. And I felt like such a superhero. I was so proud of myself and so proud of her because I knew that we had, you know, fixed so many metabolic disorders like high cholesterol and her blood sugar and blood pressure. And then she said to me, now I'm going to gain the weight back. And I was, of course, in shock because we just fixed her. And then she said, my husband wants to have sex with me all the time. And I was molested as a child. Mm. And I thought, okay, this is not about what people eat. And I'm going to fail if I only help people lose weight. I need to understand what's going on with the person inside of their bodies. Mm -hmm. And as I started kind of investigating a little more, I started recognizing, oh my gosh, my clients eat the exact same way that I shop. I thought I just liked nice things and new things all the time. I didn't realize that every emotional distress or encounter led me to think something new was a good idea. I didn't recognize that. And so as I started adopting these principles of, okay, just because my mind is telling me to go buy that purse doesn't mean I need to follow through. What if I put the purse on hold and I wait 15 minutes and I come back to see if I really want it? And what would happen is I stopped thinking about the purse some of the time and some of the time I really needed the new purse. And so as I started adopting that same principle with shopping to my clients, I started changing my lingo and stopped putting people on diets, Mm -hmm. but more teaching them how to non-diet, how to live authentically in the moment with the foods that they love and also regulating their body's chemistry at the same time while healing their relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So here I am 27 years later, 
And I have a full practice. I love it. And my first book came out, as you know, a couple months ago. And I am just so happy that I get to make the world as healthy as I always set out to. Awesome. Uh, so many things that you said resonated with me, but I think anybody who has worked with anyone on nutrition realizes within the first few weeks exactly what you said that yes there is a nutritional component but mindset I mean I throw out numbers I make them up but I'm like mindset is 80 percent of the journey <laughs> or, you know I don't know what percent it is but it feels like mindset is I'm gonna more go with a hundred I'm gonna okay. go with a hundred thank you okay because sometimes people will come back and you know, challenge me on that, but you're saying even, even higher percentage. Yeah. yeah. So if somebody's hearing this and they're thinking, okay, I've done all of the diets. Yeah. I have followed them to a T. I think the majority of people fall into the pattern that your client did where they lose the weight following some rules or program, and then they gain it back. Yeah. And then they look for the new program. They yeah. lose the weight. They gain we'll call it back. that the shiny object. Okay. So this is a common cycle. Yes. And so how do you break that cycle? If now they're hearing this mindset piece, they're thinking, okay, I've never maybe worked on that or the emotional eating cycle. Yeah. What are some first steps to break out of the roller coaster, yo-yo, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. So I think if you are somebody who is just hearing that mindset is 100% the first thing to be working on, then what you're telling me is that you're curious and curiosity is the only way we can move forward. Because we can hear that celery juice worked for our friend or they ate keto or paleo. And then they're just going to apply it to themselves without any curiosity on what their actual body needs. And so in order to actually begin to heal your relationship with food, it has to become personal. Hmm. You have to look inward and see why, why would I be thinking food is a good idea when I'm not hungry at all? And some people aren't even aware they're having the thoughts that food is a good idea. And keep in mind, like, let me let me put it this way. Back to mindset and then also this mind. There's so much I want to tell you. Okay, so if we were to say like, okay, Brooke, you and I are going to travel to New York right now. We're going to hop on planes at the end of the day. You and I had, we weren't set out to do that this morning, but suddenly, you know, this was thrown at us and we're like, okay. Okay, let me rearrange a few things. I can make this happen. We've now gotten in the mindset that New York is happening today. Mm. Then we get to the airport and our flights are delayed. There's a snowstorm. It's going to take 10 hours longer than it was supposed to. And we're still in it because we had made up our mind that we're getting to New York. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing is that once you make up your mind, you can handle the delays and the bumps and you can still stay on the journey. Yeah. And so it has to be that you make up your mind first, that you are committed to yourself. You're committed to this destination. And then, of course, the challenge is to find joy in the journey, on the destination, not to be looking at just the final destination, right? So progress over perfection. So now we've made up our mind, we're heading. We're heading to this destination, this health journey that we're jumping on. And it might have a couple bumps. We're in it anyway. It could be that Christmas is the bump. It could be that New Year's is the bump. It could be the holiday party you weren't expecting is the bump. Doesn't matter. We have a goal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the other thing is to keep in mind, you did not wake up this morning taking any credit 
for your stomach digesting, your lungs breathing, your heart beating, or your mind thinking, except you did. You're taking all the credit for your mind thinking when it's actually doing its job, just like your heart beating. Your mind's purpose is to produce all of these thoughts, 60,000 about, every day in response to something you see, smell, feel, hear, or touch. Hmm. So your mind is constantly surveying your surroundings, making sure you're safe. And that's the answer. Your mind wants to feel safe at all times, and it will seek your safety in the most pleasurable way. So if a lion comes into the room and we're stuck in the room with the lion, we're trying to figure out our safety in the most pleasurable way. What limb am I willing to risk to get out of this room? in the most pleasurable, safe way, right? And so first, if we identify that our mind always wants to feel safe in the pleasurable way, we can say to our mind, thank you for offering the suggestion that I need to go buy that purse or thank you that I think that chocolate is a good idea right now. That must mean that there's something going on with me physically that I need to check in with and see why I'm having this thought. Mm. And once we determine, oh, I didn't like the way that phone call went, or I'm worried about what I'm wearing next week, or I don't have enough money to pay my bills. And once we recognize that there's discomfort in our body, then we can actually get curious and see how can I help myself in this moment that doesn't require something outside of myself, mm -hmm. right? And usually it's taking a deep breath. Mm -hmm. And letting time pass without having doing anything active about it. But so many of us do these like little fishing trips or walking trips into the kitchen or eat more food than we need when it's in front of us because it's just more fun than not to. Mm -hmm. And it's okay that we're not always having fun. Yeah. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. That's the kind of tough pill, I think, to swallow. You know, you just nailed it. How do you do that jump consistently? I, I hear from a lot of clients, you know, I turn to food for safety or for comfort. I mean, if they can even name those things, when they get yeah. curious, they start to yeah. kind of realize the pattern uh, or to feel numb. And then we talk about, you know, when you, the food actually doesn't really cure 
any of the things. I mean, what you're talking about, actually addressing the emotion or taking a deep breath, those things are actually going to get to the core of the issue, whereas the food is kind of like this Band-Aid in the moment. But it feels so good. And if that's been your pattern for 30 years, how do you get to a place where you are okay with sitting in discomfort rather than turning to the thing that gives you the pleasure and the safety? It's a very good question. And I'm sorry, my gardener seems to be right here right now. <laughs> it's totally fine. I mean, I mentioned to you, I lived in New York City. I can't wait actually to go to New York tonight. I'm very excited about this trip that we're going on. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll right. have a great time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're so walk. I'm already, and I'm sitting in my closet. So, you know, I'm like mentally packing as we're talking. Uh, but I used to live in New York. I'm very used to uh, constant noise disruption. So okay, good. you're Thank just making you. me feel back at home. So okay, good, good, good. Okay, so- so what just happened was your mind is already excited to go to New York. Mm -hmm. So it found that shiny object and it's latched on. And so your question basically is, how can I be here in this moment when now I'm excited about the shiny object? Hmm. And so a couple things, one thing you can do, and this you can repeat after me, because this is kind of like a little fun practice that we can do. So just repeat after me. Where is my body? Where is my body? It's right here. It's right here. Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Now answer that question. Thinking about cookies. Okay. So what you actually did and I saw you do was go find your mind. Mm. So really take the time to do this. So let's do it again. Where is my body? Where is my body? It's right here. It's right here. Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Now go find yours. Wait, what? <laughs> go go find your mind. Where is oh, your mind? So somebody could say, like, still thinking about cookies, or would they eventually get to the place where they say right here? Yeah. Did you get right here? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I saw you do it. And so that was the startling part for you is that yeah. it only took you two practices huh. to bring your mind away from the shiny object. Uh-huh. And now yeah, I thought that here. was the wrong answer. Yeah. I was like, being mindful yeah. means knowing where your mind is and without judgment, bringing it back to this moment. Mm -hmm. We don't have to know why you're thinking about cookies. doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, about Hawaii some of the time and putting my feet in the sand and like, doesn't matter. I don't have to know why. Mm-hmm. Although okay. it could be nice to know that if I'm not in this moment, it's probably an alarm going off. So let's reference it in the exact same way. If suddenly the alarm in your house was going off and we're in the middle of taping this podcast, what do you do? Go turn off the alarm. No matter what. Yeah. Go turn it off. And then before you come back, you scan, right? You make sure everything is okay. Mm -hmm. You've now established you're safe. You saw the alarm, you turned the alarm off, you scanned to make sure you're safe, and then you can come back and finish this conversation. Mm -hmm. So could it be that every single time you think food is a good idea or cookies are a good idea or those cookies look good, every single time it's actually an alarm going off. So if we're in this relationship with our body, we communicate through sensations and signals and thoughts. Right. And so the our mind is going to give us this thought, especially if you have a history of eating cookies when we're stressed. 
mm-hmm. right? So our mind gives us this thought in moments of distress. That's how it's communicating with us. And so we now say, okay, mind, thank you. I'm turning the alarm off. Now I'm going to scan everything in my body to see why I got that signal. And it turns out I'm hungry. Hmm. It could be that hunger is also stress, especially since it's our survival. It's not a negative. It's just a message. And so it could also be that you got that signal that cookies were a good idea because I emotionally triggered you from some trauma when you were five, right? And so now your chest is constricted or, you know, your back feels tight. And that's why you're having the thought that a cookie is a good idea. Either way, you turn the alarm off, you scan your body, and then you accept it. Here I am. This Mm -hmm. is the way I feel. And we don't run around telling all of our loved members, loved ones, when I feel stress, I eat. You should try that. No, Mm -hmm. we say, breathe. You know, go for a walk. Take a moment. And we need to show ourselves that exact same grace Mm -hmm. because food is fuel and it will be right there when we need it, when we're hungry. And we have to be able to recognize the difference between a thought to eat and actually needing food. Yeah. Yeah. To make that jump, I know you mentioned before with shopping you would kind of wait 15 minutes and then check in on the purse. I had another person talking about emotional eating who said, you know, you could even set a physical timer. If it's helpful, especially at first when you're practicing this and you say, I'm going to set the alarm on my microwave or something for 15 minutes and I'm going to go through the process you just mentioned or I'm going to find some non-food thing to turn to. And I'll try that first before turning to food. So this person was, I can't even remember who it was, which I feel bad about, but they were saying, you don't tell yourself you can't have food. Cause if you say can't, then the That's thing restriction. you, yeah, you That's immediately unsafe. want it. Yeah. So you say, I'm going to try this thing first. And if I still, after 15 minutes want the food, I can go get it. So let's say you set the alarm, you read for 15 minutes, typically, let's say 90% of the time at the end of the 15 minutes, you are regulated and fine and you don't turn to the food. Maybe 10% of the time you still do, but still you've reduced the number of times you're turning to food drastically. Yeah, Is that something you recommend? Oh, kind of like yeah. finding a replacement? So emotions last 90 seconds. Oh. Yeah, so if we're having an emotional moment, it lasts 90 seconds and we have new emotions coming all the time, right? But there's a couple of things. First of all, the 15 minutes, and I use like six simple rules and the 15 minute is part of rule number one. And the reason why the 15 minutes are essential is because your stomach, based on how much food you have, is signaling. There's that signal, that sensation, that communication. We need food. That's done through a hormone ghrelin. I don't really say that word right. Ghrelin? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Didn't sound right for a second. Okay. So (laughs) ghrelin is signaling us, hey, it's time to start thinking about food. We're getting on, we're running on empty. And then once we start eating, even if it's a handful of grapes or a handful of cashews or a piece of bread, whatever it is, 
if we eat slow enough and if we wait 15 minutes, what happens is a second hormone, leptin, kind of says, you're satisfied. Sometimes, sometimes we need more than half, but most, more likely than not, you're not going to need more food. But then there's the emotional component. And so I like to refer to this as narrow-mindedness. Mm. And what happens with narrow-mindedness is we can't see past the cookies. I can't see past the, the purse. I need it. It's all I can see. And I actually won't be able to move on until I have the cookie. Right. And so the way around narrow mindedness is like if we were all just thinking about like Thanksgiving dinner, for instance, if all of us closed our eyes for a second and we just looked at our plate of food. And then we took a second to leave our plate of food on the table, but we looked up from the plate of food. What would we see? Mm -hmm. We would see decorations, we might hear music, we would smell beautiful things or delicious scents. We would see people smiling and laughing, we would hear noise, we would see people we would love. That is the beauty of positive psychology. Narrow-mindedness means I can't look past the Thanksgiving plate. Positive psychology helps us literally and figuratively expand our point of view, which is exactly what we need when we can only think of the cookie. And the way to do it is to get your eyes to land on something you're in totally in love with. Mm. And it could be a memory. It could be a person across from you. It could be a picture. It could be anything. But then what happens, you need to start thinking about why you love that person. And what happens is suddenly you're just no longer thinking about food. Mm. Now, as soon as you get hungry again, what should happen every two to four hours you're going to think about food again. This is exactly what should happen in your body. You should eat every two to four hours. Can you imagine if you woke up this morning and I said, okay, today, Brooke, you get to pee one time. Yeah. No. Suddenly there's that restriction. Mm -hmm. Now I'm anxious. All I can think about is like, how am I going to manage this? Yeah. Right. And so we don't want to think about not being able to eat. We actually need fuel. That's how we survive. And we're going to need it every three hours. Mm-hmm. So there's that trust piece where I can have that cookie when I'm hungry in three hours. I can also decide I don't want that cookie in three hours. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of clients who sometimes confuse hunger and emotional eating. So they'll say, you know, at night, I after dinner, I just eat because I'm stressed or I'm bored or whatever. And then we realize the things they've been eating throughout the day haven't really been the most filling. So they are actually very hungry at night. Yeah, yeah. And once we start prioritizing things like protein and fiber throughout the day, all of a sudden that disappears yeah. and they're shocked of, whoa, I thought I had a problem, but really right. I was just hungry. How do you recommend that people kind of set up their plate and think about food throughout the day so that they are able to kind of read their hunger cues and fullness cues better? Yeah. I, I think it's completely individualized because I think there's so many inflammatory problems currently. So I think the way that, you know, you want to set it up is totally dependent or independent. Like, I think that's the beauty of our diets and diets, meaning more lifestyle. I can eat anything I want when I want it feels very freeing. So I don't love to tell people what to eat. I do love to say the exact same thing you said, 
you're less likely to have a binge eating problem and more likely you're hungry and you need to take your calories from the evening and spread them out throughout your day. Mm -hmm. Um, And keep in mind that we operate 47% the way we did the day before. And our body doesn't really know what we're eating unless we're responding negatively to it. And it wants you to eat the same amount of food in weight as you did the day before. So if you did overeat the day before, you're going to be more inclined to do it today. And that's where you have to just put in best practices where you are making sure you're eating every three hours. Like I just had my client right before this, she didn't lose any weight this week and she's frustrated. And she turns out she had gone um, back East for the week. And she said, well, the people that I was staying with, they had breakfast and they had dinner. And so that's many hours of non-eating in between. And mm. she did say, but we had big meals. And so to me, I I then put it on her. How do you feel about this? What, what do you think that does to your metabolism? And she said, well, if I'm eating less, then I should be losing weight. And the reality is she might've been eating more because she wasn't eating enough throughout the day. And there was this huge gap of time and our body again wants to feel safe all the time. And we're regulated by blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And if we don't eat every three to four hours, we get a signal to our minds or our brains that we haven't eaten enough and it goes into fight or flight. And then if you're in fight or flight, a coping mechanism that we have in our body is that it will not give up weight. Mm-hmm. It thinks that you're in the middle of a war and it will hold on to your calories. Mm -hmm. So it's more important rather than me saying to my clients, or this is how I feel about it, um, eating this on each plate more. So make sure we start eating when you're hungry, take your normal portion, cut it in half, wait 15 minutes, see how you feel at the end of 15 minutes, trusting you can eat again in two to three hours. Hmm. And then I often say the kitchen is closed after dinner. And then if somebody's feeling like they urgently need food after dinner, we work through like kind of how you did or some if they're, you know, just in a bad habit mm-hmm. or if they're in a sugar addiction. I had one client the other day have this aha moment that they are eating after dinner to wake up. They were realizing they feel yes. really tired and they're just eating to stay awake. And then she said, what am I doing? Why don't I just go to bed? I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. So now she just goes to bed and she's sleeping more. And she's like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah. But it's so yeah. interesting. These things you realize where when you get to the root of why am I eating? I just had dinner. I'm not hungry. So it's something else. Um, and for other people, it's something different. You know, for everybody, it's different. But uh yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting. I would also put out there if you really aren't sure if you're hungry or just craving something, do nothing. Mm. You know, take the power back and do nothing because hunger doesn't go away. It gets stronger. Cravings Mm -hmm. go away. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So again, a lot of this is kind of curiosity pausing. Yeah. Not acting immediately, just taking a minute. Yeah. I like to say to put like space between the thought to eat and the action to eat. Mm. So you can address like, why is there alarm going off in my mind? Right. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence-based sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo-yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. 
unlike restrictive, one-size-fits-all diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently, have high energy throughout the day, feel completely in control of cravings, and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Health Investment. You have, you call it six rules, but you say none are punitive. And you mentioned the first one kind of deals with the 15 minutes. Can you kind of walk through your rules? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The second one is to eat what you love. Mm -hmm. And with a caveat that you're eating foods that you love that love you back. Again, this is your personal relationship with your body. So you wouldn't stay in a relationship with somebody, hopefully, that is hurting you. And so even though you might love cheese, you don't love the diarrhea and we don't love what the diarrhea is doing to your body. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, you need to find alternatives to that food that make you feel good or you need to work on healing your gut. So once we kind of get through the root of that, we understand a lot of the reasons why you think you should eat food or how you're labeling food. And then we're able to kind of get rid of some of those labels because I would prefer people think food is food rather than this is healthy or un- unhealthy, because I would feel totally ashamed if you said to me, why were you, why are you eating that? That's so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're trying to get rid of shame and persecution. And that happens in that rule. The third rule is to eat without distractions. And so to be very clear that you're hungry when you eat and that you're not eating for emotional reasons or because the food is in front of you or because you're having a craving. Mm. Rule four is to, is to get 10,000 steps every day. I think that the average, I know the average American is getting 3000 steps. I know we need about 7,000 to prevent, you know, sudden death by 50%, but to maintain your weight loss, it's really being an active person and 10,000 steps is the golden number in my opinion. And, and a lot of studies prove that too. And then rule number five is to get eight cups of water every day, separate from like the teas and the coffees and the milks and the fruits, because your body has to work to break down those foods. And so water is just very simply absorbed by our body that we don't have to go through another process. And it's, it is the way that we detox and cleanse every cell in our body. Mm -hmm. And then the last rule is to get seven hours of sleep. The average American is getting six and a half and we really need between seven and nine, but so many people struggle to get seven. People have problems falling asleep, staying asleep, and even waking up feeling very tired. And so each one of these is linked to some issue that needs to be course corrected Mm -hmm. to put you back in balance. And we cannot lose weight and we certainly can't keep the weight off if we're not sleeping well. Can you touch on hydration a bit more, especially water? I This is something, it, it seems easy, right? Just, mm-hmm. oh, drink more water. But this is such a challenge for many people, especially if somebody's used to drinking one or two glasses a day. Do you have any tips or tricks to make hydrating yeah. water, as you said, yeah. easier or top of mind? Yeah. So I know that I sit in a desk most days and it's very important that I put my water When I'm making my kids lunch, I also get my water ready for the day and it's on my desk before I even show up at work. Um, That's one trick I do. The second is to create a new habit. Again, since we're doing everything 47% the way we did yesterday, to create a new habit that every time you go into the kitchen, you pour yourself some water. Mm 
Mm. And I think having like a very pretty picture or a nice glass on the table is very nice reminder that every time you go in there, drink water. If you are questioning if you're hungry or not, drink water. I'm not saying don't eat, but you still need to wait until you're physically hungry in your stomach. And by having water, it gives you that pause. And it's also a nice way to add more water. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And then, I mean, sleep is the biggie, right? (laughs) I mean, nobody wants their screens to go away. Nobody. And I feel this too, you know, like no judgment. I feel the same challenges. I mean, our screens have become so addicting. The social media is addicting. What tips do you give in terms of sleeping seven hours if somebody's sleeping five, let's say? Yeah. So what you're what you're referring to is kind of like sleep hygiene, which is like a new like keyword, I think, you know, that everyone's using. But it's an important topic because one hour of sleep, like not sleeping enough or having too much sleep actually is jet lag. Mm. And so we're walking around overtired and undertired. And every study proves that if you are tired, you have a more inflammation in your body. And when you have more inflammation in your body, you have lower motivation, you make poor choices. So if you're awake for 17 hours, it's actually the equivalent of being drunk. Mm. Yeah. And so let's go back to like the world of toddlers where everybody's learning how to put their kids on a sleep schedule. What happens is sometimes they try melatonin or whatnot, but there's a moment where the doctor will say to you, If you recognize they're getting sleepy, that's the window you put them to sleep. If in our own bodies, we can start recognizing when we're getting sleepy and then go to sleep, we're winning. If we're falling asleep on the couch or falling asleep in a chair, we're disrupting this process. If we're eating something four hours close to bedtime or even eating something to wake us up, this is causing us to wake up in the middle of the night. So when we're getting sleepy, it's actually the hormone melatonin being released. And it gets released when the lights are dim and it gets a little dark. And when your circadian rhythms are regulated, when you are habitually going to sleep at the same time. And what melatonin does is it actually goes into every one of your 100 trillion cells and it cleans out any inflammatory issues. So melatonin is a hormone and it's also an antioxidant. So it eats up and cleans up all the free radicals. And if you are missing sleep, you're missing out on this amazing gift that our bodies have. Mm -hmm. So I'm not recommending you take melatonin, although there are some studies that show that it is protective against certain things. The problem when we take it is it actually tells your mind to stop making it. Mm. So we need more and more, right? Don't you have to keep upping the dose? And so melatonin helps you fall asleep, but it can't help you stay asleep. And so some people have problems staying asleep and that could be because they have too much inflammation or they're drinking alcohol and that's causing inflammation in their sinus passages. They could be eating too close to bed. They could have very high stress in their body. And remember, stress can be pain, it can be starvation, it could be overeating, it could be dysregulated blood sugars. Our body doesn't know stress 
the difference between a lion or if we're physically enduring something, right? And so we have to work on calming our nervous system. And our body recognizes stress in under 10 seconds. It trips off 1,400 different sensations and it causes problems with the hippocampus, which is our emotional center, our pituitary gland and our adrenal glands, which then we see problems with our cortisol, which is why we wake up in the middle of the night. Our blood sugars become dysregulated and our sex hormones become out of whack. So working on sleep regulates all of these systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're waking up, this is the last thing I'm going to say, if you're waking up and you're not ready for your day, then the practice is to immediately stop hitting your snooze button, which I know sounds like torture, but allowing yourself to snooze could cause you to go into a new sleep cycle. And that could be the jet lag. You could actually be overtired from that one snooze that you had. Hmm. So it's better. It's a better practice for you to get up at the same time every day and stay up. You will start feeling in three days time ready for the world. Right. What about when a mom tells you, I'm sure you've heard this kind of like nighttime is my me time and so the kids go to bed and I feel tired, but I want the Netflix and yeah. what do you say? I say go to sleep as soon as your body feels tired and start getting up earlier in the morning and have that time as um, your me time. You'll become more productive during the day by waking up an hour earlier. Uh, You're just going to feel better all the way around. Or even if you want that Netflix show, you could just watch it in the morning. Yeah, that's what the 100% watch, yeah. watch it in the just morning. Yeah. Turn, flip it on instead of at night, yeah. stay in bed in the morning. I mean, that sounds really cozy and lovely. Yeah. yeah. I also yeah. love like a little, I have this little stepper that I love. And sometimes if I'm watching something and I have like a 15 minute break during the day, I'll watch that on my stepper. Mm. Um, but, you know, just start setting new habits where, I think you're taking better care of your body. What's a stepper? Is that one of those mini treadmills or it's something it's different? It's a little, it's like a mini um, elliptical. Oh. And I have it in my closet. I have it like actually out right now. I have one upstairs and one downstairs. And so you can just hop on it. And so easy to get steps because, you know, I sit most of the day and we right. all need 10,000 steps. So, And that's the other challenge, you know, especially working from home. I mean, I'll have a client tell me, you don't understand. I work from home. I'm like, no, I do understand. Yeah. I work from home. It's yeah. it's a challenge for everybody. It's not easy, but I think when you commit to a steps number, yeah. the question becomes, how am I going to get the steps? Not, yeah. am I going to get them? It's just how and when. And so then the stepper or the mini treadmill, that can just make it easier. So much easier. I would yeah. also flip the mindset from challenge because our mind again, doesn't want us to do hard things, mm. always seeking pleasure. And if we're saying challenge or hard, then it's like, I'm going to find a way out of that. But if we change it to an opportunity, mm. I want to, this is an opportunity to, for me to find new ways. Yeah. Interesting. I love yeah. that. Well, thank you so much for everything you shared. Uh, one of the final questions I ask each of my guests is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Mm. I honestly, I think it's such a good question and I'm going to ask it right back to you after, but I think uh, it's honestly honoring what your body mm. needs when it needs it. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, I love the parallels between investing money and health. And this has been such a game changer for me on my own journey of the sm just really small things I can do every day 
compound and add up over time to this beautiful investment in the future. And that's been the most freeing to me. I used to think I have to go on the elliptical 45 minutes a day and I have to do like everything had to be this big thing. Yeah. And maintaining my health was borderline impossible. And now it is like I could go for a 10 minute walk. Yeah, that's it. I love the just small little things. It's just yeah. the most freeing to me. Yeah. Be con- be committed in the destination. Mm. Yeah. And I think the the message you shared about, I love, I love tactical analogies or I don't know if it's tactical because you can't touch it, but you know, I get the the image of going to New York and you know, you're not going to let a snow delay stop you. We're used to, we're used to obstacles in other aspects of our life and overcoming them. And so this destination and journey should be no different. Just expect things yeah. to pop up and then you deal with them. That's it. Yeah. Well, Carry on. thank you so much, Kim, for being here. Where can listeners follow and find you? I am on all the social platforms at Kim Shapiro Method. Um, my website is kimshapiromethod.com. And I, um, you can find my book, This Is What You're Really Hungry For, everywhere that books are sold. And um, I also have a webinar class and I see clients and groups and individually. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Awesome. Well, I will link all of those places you just mentioned in the show notes. Congratulations on your book, by, by the Thank way. You. I mean, talk about a feat yeah. and a destination. I'm sure you had many oh obstacles in the process, <laughs> but what a cool thing yeah. to yeah. be a published author. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Kim. We're all going to follow and find you off air. And I look forward to staying connected. Yes, for sure. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.